We want to uh, uh, look this week at uh, a passage from Deuteronomy. Wes has been preaching to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6 for the last several weeks. And I just thought, uh, as I thought about it uh, this week, I just thought I'll kind of do something that I think is a recap and hopefully can help you in understanding how to apply this love that we've been talking about from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might or strength. Um, And so um, some of the things we've been talking about as we went through that were, uh, you know, hearing. First of all, we have to hear what God has to say. And in hearing, we heed it and we pay attention. Um, Wes was telling us that, you know, God loves and cares for his people. And uh, we think and, are, and we need to think about him and be inclined toward him. Um, and then kind of wrapping up with in loving God the way he has loved us. We need to love what he says and to do what he does. That's just a quick kind of recap of uh, the things that we've been talking about. And so um, let's, uh, let's begin. We're going to look at chapter 10 in Deuteronomy and at a more uh, specific portion of it. Um, But let me open us with prayer, and then uh, we'll look at that, and uh, hopefully um, you will have something to take from this. Now, you, a lot of you know me. I'm usually one of the last to leave. Wes did say to me, look, Gail, you can't go on for two hours with your message, all right? That'll be too much for the people. So I said, okay, yeah, Wes, I understand, all right. So for the next hour and a half, I'd like to bring this to you, whatever. Now, I'll try to keep it to about the same length as Wes. It might be a little longer, but let's uh, ask the Lord for his blessing. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given it to us to instruct us, to teach us, to show us the way to Christ and the way to be like you and the way to serve you. So we pray now that you would help us to understand your word. That is, as it is proclaimed that your spirit would apply it to our hearts and minds so that we might truly, day by day, be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let me start by reading uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10 here. Uh, I might skip a little bit here that's kind of a... um, just a a parenthetical section. Deuteronomy chapter 10. At that time, this is Moses talking, the Lord said to me, cut out for yourself two tablets of stone like the former ones and come up to me on the mountain and make an ark of wood for yourself. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets which you shattered and you shall put them in the ark. You remember, Moses had the tablets the first time, right? He threw them down at the thing, and it exploded in a big ball of fire. Oh, no, wait, that's the Ten Commandments movie, okay? But he had thrown down and broken the tablets, okay, right? Because of the Israelites' disobedience in going after this this image that Aaron and others had helped to craft. And so um, Moses is recounting that for them. He went up on the mountain a second time. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut out two tablets of stone like the former ones and went up on the mountain with the two tablets in my hand. 
He wrote on the tablets like the former writing, that is God, the Ten Commandments which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made. And there they are as the Lord commanded me. I, moreover, stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, verse 10, like the first time. And the Lord listened to me that time also. The Lord was not willing to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, proceed on your journey ahead of the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them and he chose the descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. So circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done these great and awesome things for you, which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. You shall therefore love the Lord your God, and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. So this is the reading of God's word. And yeah, we do that every Sunday because even if everything I say is really stupid, God's word is eternal. And so even hearing that, it has power. I hope to elucidate it. Hopefully it won't be stupid, but we've at least read his word. So what we want to talk about this morning is... um, the four ways that love strengthens the covenant, um, four ways that love, which we've been talking about for the last several weeks, strengthens the covenant. This is God right here in the book of Deuteronomy establishing his covenant with the people of Israel. You are my people. I am making this covenant with you to be your God. You are to be my people. And here are all the conditions of the covenant, which he then outlines for everyone. And so hopefully this will maybe help you to remember ways like in your life uh, that you can, through love, strengthen that covenant that God made not just with the Israelites, but now is with you and your family and probably with their offspring after them should the Lord tarry. So um, the four things we want to see here are from verse 12. And there's five things. Love is at the center. If you want to put that first video up there now. Is it up there? Okay. So, um, now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? 
Here's what God requires. You are to fear the Lord your God. That's the first thing. To walk in all his ways. To love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And then to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. So we've got all five things up there, and we're going to talk about those. You notice I put it in a, um, a structure where it's coming in to love him back again. Um, we're not really going to, we're going to kind of be looking at this in like the shape of an X. It's not, we're not really, we're not saying the passage here is chiastic. That, that's what that is. When you use an X, that's called chiasm. Uh, we're not, I'm not saying that, but we're going to look at it that way because you're going to see how these things flow from love and kind of leading into it and from it. Um, and so we'll do that. So the first thing here uh, that we're looking at is he says that you should fear the Lord. Um, <clears throat> and we are told here that we need to fear God. So what does he mean by that? Well, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 10, he tells us in verse 17, um, the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. So God is the awesome, great, mighty creator of all things. And as such, since we are not, we are to fear him. We are to respect him. We are to revere him, okay? is what he's telling us from this passage, and we'll bring that out a little bit more. The second thing, he, the second thing we're looking at here is we are to walk um, in his ways. And so in verses 18 and 19, he talks about that. He gives us here uh, in chapter, this is, we're staying in chapter 10 here. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. So just as God does, we are to walk in his ways. We're to emulate him, okay? <clears throat> love. We are to love as God loves, and we are to love God. So in verses 14 to 16, going backtracking a little bit, he talks about that. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Everything belongs to God. He says, yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. So he says to them, as it says elsewhere in scriptures, you weren't the greatest, you weren't the most numerous, you weren't the most deserving or anything necessarily. God chose you, and he decided to love you. And then we're told in the New Testament, even from before the foundation of the world, that he has loved us. He chose and loved his people. Despite us, really, right? Despite who we are. And they've already demonstrated that quite clearly in their wilderness wanderings. Despite who they are, he chose to love them and to set them apart for himself. So that's what he says there, that that's how much God loves you. And then he, so then he warns them, so circumcise your heart and stiffen your neck no longer. So do not be proud, but humble yourselves, recognizing God's love for you and love him in return as you do these things. 
that we're going to talk about as you serve him, okay? Which is the next one, serving God. In verses 20 and 21, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. He is your praise and he is your God who has done these great and awesome things for you which your eyes have seen. So uh, when he says um, you shall serve him here and cling to him, swear by his name, those are really things that when he's talking about the Lord as being their God, right? You shall cling to him as your, as your God. You shall only seek him as God. You shall not go after other gods. You shall swear by his name. When he says that, he doesn't mean you should be swearing all the time. It means that if you take an oath or a vow, you will take it in the name of the Lord because the Lord is the one true God. You don't take it in the name of anybody else. If you want to take an oath and you want to take it and make express seriousness to somebody that you're going to do this before the universe, before the greatest power, then it's the Lord. <clears throat> and he is your praise and he is your God. You might, so you get the impression here, he's talking about our coming before God and our worship of God. And that's what service is talking about here. All right? The same word for serve in the Old Testament is used for worship. And that's what he's getting at here. God is to be the one that you worship in your life every day, in all the things you do, in your communing with him, in your work, in your communication with other people. You are to be worshiping him, and in so you're, doing, you're serving him. You're standing before him and um, lifting up his name and fearing him and uh, worshiping him. And then finally, so that's service. Finally, keep, uh, he gets to that in the beginning of chapter uh, 11, which we all know the chapters came later, right? In Hebrew, they didn't have dividers. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. And then again, down in verse eight, after he goes on and speaks about um, some of the things that, and the ways they didn't do that. You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it. So you shall love the Lord your God by keeping his charges and his statutes and his ordinance and his commandments. And so we are called to keep and obey those things. So if you want to bring up the second slide, is it up there? Okay, good. So there you go, revere, okay. So in talking about that, uh, so if we go back to revere, uh, to fear, let's just recap. What does that mean? Fear means to revere God, he's talking about here. Not fear as in, you know, like in the comics, you know, I'm afraid. Uh, Although we should fear God in that way. But what he's talking about here is we have to hold God in the highest esteem. We have to honor him and revere him. So, for example, in Psalm 33, the psalmist writes, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, He lays up the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. 
Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He is a great God and to be feared, to be respected and revered as the creator and as the great one. In the New Testament, just an example from there, in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus, when he tells the disciples how they should pray, he says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be revered. May your name be honored and respected and held high by us, those praying, indeed by all people. So the first thing that Moses is saying here to them is, in loving the Lord, you need to revere him. Second thing is we need to emulate him. We need, when he says you need to walk with the Lord, you need to emulate him. Uh, you need to be like him, to walk in his ways, okay? Um, once again, let's start in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy, a few chapters later, Deuteronomy chapter 13, he says, verse four, you shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. You shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him and cling to him. He hits just about everything in there, but he starts off by saying, you shall follow the Lord your God. You shall walk in his ways. You shall follow him, okay? When you follow somebody, that means they're in front of you and you're walking behind them and you're following them and you're imitating them and emulating them. In the New Testament, the apostle John uh, says that to us in chapter eight. Um, He says, Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So if we walk after, if we follow after Jesus, we're walking in a path of light, not stumbling in the darkness. And that's what we're called to do, to walk after him and to imitate and emulate him. Uh, Love. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five, Moses says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, right? We've been looking at that for several weeks. That is what we are, that's what Moses is calling them to do. And in fact, as we looked at Jesus reiterated in the New Testament, this is the greatest of all the commandments, right? Love the Lord your God. In the New Testament, John says, Once again, chapter 15, verse nine. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. The Father loved. Jesus communed perfectly with that love. And then he wants us to love as he has loved us. And he calls us to that as well. To love him and to love others. Worship. For worship... Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, we see uh, the writer here telling us, uh, what is that? Verse 24, down toward the end of the chapter. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. So serve him in truth with all your heart. Um, it's appropriate this comes in the book of Samuel because Samuel was the prophet and priest of the Lord. The one who lived his life before God every day. We're called to do the same thing. To serve him. And then 
in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You guys know that, right? Do I need to read it or can you all just say it together? (laughs) Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So we are to serve him. It's our spiritual service of worship as we present ourselves in our lives in all that we do before him. And we worship him in our lives and serve him that way. And then uh, finally, obey. Uh, We got Deuteronomy chapter four. Let me read a passage here, verses 32 to 40. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything been done like this great thing, or has anything been heard like it? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking from the midst of the fire as you have heard it and survived? Or has a God tried to go to take for himself a nation from within another nation by trials, by signs and wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, he is God. There is no other besides him. Out of the heavens, he let you hear his voice to discipline you. And on earth, he let you see his great fire and you heard his words from the midst of the fire. Because he loved you and because he loved your fathers, therefore, he chose their descendants after them. And he personally brought you from Egypt by his great power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in and to give you their land for an inheritance as it is today. Know therefore today... And take it to your heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. We are to remember, as Moses was bringing remembrance to the people here in chapter 10, all that God has done for us, to know that he is the great God, and therefore we are to honor him in his commandments and in keeping them, in obeying them, in doing them throughout our lives. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives us the great commission, the very end, uh, before he ascends to the Father. And after he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus's concern is as as the apostles go forth, he wants them to teach people to observe all that he has commanded, to keep and obey his commandments. In doing so, they will demonstrate love for him and for the Father. And so, As God has loved us, and he now calls us to love him, these are the ways that Moses tells us that we are to honor and love God, to revere him, to emulate him, to walk in his ways, to love him as he has loved us, to worship him, and to obey him, 
to keep his commandments. So the question for us is, do we do all those things? So is there anybody here that does those things? Does Elder Larry do all those things because he's an elder? No. Does Deacon Cagey do all those things because he's a deacon? No. Do I, your speaker, do all those things because I'm a preacher or Wes or anyone else for that matter? No. We fall short. So just as Moses was saying to the Israelites then and telling them those things, we now know, and it's very clear to us, we cannot do all those things. So where does that leave us? Well, that leaves us destined for hell, right? Because God says, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're called to do. And now we're not doing it. So that would appear to be our destiny. Fortunately, God intervened on our behalf. There was nothing we could do, right? We couldn't keep all those things that he's asked us to do. <clears throat> but he intervened on our behalf. So if you want to put up the third one there, there you go. Um, he intervened on our behalf, and he did that by sending his son, right? Because... Either God's law, there was something wrong with it, and when he declared it in Deuteronomy to Moses and told the people to keep it, either it was defective, which means God isn't perfect, he messed up and he had to learn, and now he's learned better and he's correcting it, or it's right and we're all destined to hell, we're all in trouble, or God has a plan that can somehow preserve his law and his justice and everything, but at the same time, mitigate for us and provide something for us. Well, that plan is to send Jesus, right? Because he is going to perfectly do all these things that we couldn't. So Jesus, when we talk about Jesus in his life, how did he keep all these things that Moses had commanded? Well, He didn't fear God the same, as, the same exact way as a man because he was a man and he was God himself. But as the son, he perfectly honored the father and brought glory to the father in all that he did. So for example, in John chapter 17, verse four, Jesus is praying and he says, um, after he started his prayer, I glorified you, father, on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So Jesus says, and this is attested by many other scriptures, he did the will of his father and he did that perfectly in order to glorify, to bring honor to the father. It didn't matter that the son was dishonored over and over again by all the people around him, but he lived to honor the father. And so he set an example for us to honor the father that we might be dishonored by all those around us. <clears throat> How did Jesus walk as Moses had commanded? Well, he displayed God's likeness among us. In John chapter five, verse 19, uh, John says in writing, 
uh, and recording what Jesus had said. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. See, that was Jesus's whole purpose. Everything he had seen from the father as the son, he emulates that. He does that. He displays God's likeness. Hebrews 1 starts out and recounts to us how Jesus is the perfect likeness of the Father, but here before us in human form. And so, despite the challenges of that here on earth, he humbled himself and became like us in order to display the likeness of his Father amongst us so we would know what that looks like. And we have only to read the scriptures to understand that. And not just the New Testament where the apostles are talking about Jesus, but all the Old Testament as well, which is Jesus' word to us, talking about him before he even comes. What about love? In John chapter 17, Jesus once again praying in his high priestly prayer says at the end, I have made your name known to them and will make it known. So the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So Jesus' purpose in revealing the Father and displaying him to us is to love us as the Father loved him so that they will know the love of God for them and they will experience the love with which the Son had been loved by the Father. And then, of course, he would send them out as he did a couple chapters earlier, and he's, as he's talking to them, to go and love others and to keep his commandment in doing so. <clears throat> Here with um, the fourth point, uh, and for Jesus, I put communion. Because for Jesus, worship is communion with the Father. His entire life, his waking in the morning, his service during the day, <clears throat> his preaching, his walking to a new location. It's all communing with the Father and worshiping with him. And so uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, he says, uh, while he was still speaking, and this is during the transfiguration, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. You see, Jesus was transfigured before them because he was well-pleasing to his father. And the father was giving the disciples a little glimpse of Jesus' heavenly glory. As Jesus has done everything the father has asked him to do and emulated him. And then finally, um, perfect obedience. Jesus didn't just obey occasionally, he obeyed perfectly. And we see that in Romans chapter five in verse 19 in this passage, this great passage, comparing Adam and and, uh, Jesus um, and how they're similar and yet different. Um, Paul says, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Through one sin, creation was thereafter affected. 
and hampered and sin came in and destroyed, uh, didn't totally destroy, but disfigured the image of God in us and in all creation. But in one man who perfectly obeys and follows after God's law and does it, restoration is brought to the many. And so that's where it leaves us. With Jesus, the one who is bringing restoration. Um, Without him, we have no hope, right? So when Moses was writing Deuteronomy chapter 6, when he was writing Deuteronomy chapter 10, he was giving that to his people, who we refer to as the Israelites at that time. He was giving it to us in this time, We wouldn't necessarily call ourselves Israelites normally, but in fact, we are Israelites. John tells us we've been grafted into that tree and we are now true Israelites, Israelites in the heart, if not by descent. But none of us have actually fulfilled any of those things we were called to do. The only way we get to be called Israelites and to get to be God's people is because of Christ perfectly doing that for us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So you see, there's that love. Christ loved us. That's the linchpin, right? Jesus told us, what's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God. And it's because of God's great love for Christ and God's great love for us and Christ's love for us, which is manifested, that he sends his son. He sends his son to bring us salvation because he loved me and gave himself up for me. So I can say, I've been crucified with Christ. The Holy Spirit did that in me. And now it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live is no longer for myself. It's for the son of God who gave himself up for me. So now that's what we're called to. That's the fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter six, Deuteronomy chapter 10. The fulfillment of that is for us to recognize and to be born again by the spirit. And then for us to say, I've been crucified to myself and now I live for Christ and for the Father. That's the challenge for us now. So that's the short summary of all this that we've been talking about. But as we said here, the, the idea was four ways that love strengthens the covenant. So as we revere God, as we emulate him in our love for him, as we worship in our lives, not just on Sunday morning, but day by day, as we see our lives as a reflection of worship before the Lord, and as we obey his commandments and his laws, which now to us are not burdensome, but we understand that they flow from a loving heavenly father. So we are transformed more and more into his likeness and more and more emulate the love of Christ. And these things help 
to strengthen and establish the covenant because God made this covenant with us. As we do these things, we establish it, we strengthen it, we make it. Uh, We make it ours and it grows in us and overflows from us into our brothers and sisters right here, into our community, into the ends of the earth through the people that we support. So that is the challenge for us today. It's the challenge for me. It's the challenge for all of you to revere, to emulate, to be like, to follow in his footsteps, okay? To love as Christ has loved, to worship God and serve him, and then to obey his commandments, to um, keep the call, um, if we are able to, as we serve God, if, if we are able to see these things and to remember these things, then we will be establishing that covenant in our lives. The, uh, the passage that we opened with this morning was Psalm 115. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, sorry, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. That's the God that we serve. 